I'm Mike White, the CEO of Lively Worldwide. Welcome to Fresh Takes Video Podcast, where we take a fresh look at the ever-changing landscape of business, marketing, and entertainment. In these discussions, we explore how creativity and technology innovate the world of brands and businesses to deliver genuine audience connections. The world of experiences has been turned on its head over the last few years, with streaming platforms on the rise, music festivals seen having one of its biggest years ever, while simultaneously watching the ongoing developments with Meta and the confusing messages around the Metaverse and Web3. So how do we navigate these constantly evolving advances in technology while staying creative and at the centre of culture? Well, that's why we are here. Lively as a creative innovation agency, taking an agnostic view across all this noise and finding the true pioneers of creativity. We innovate in the world of business and entertainment. And we love to discuss what we have learned and how best to navigate the future. So without further ado, welcome to my guest, Mike Ray from Unity Technologies. Hey, Mike, it's a pleasure to have you join us. It's good to see you again, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Mike, uh, you head up business and strategy at Unity Technologies, and you're a very popular guy on the speaker circuit right now, so we're lucky to have you. We actually last ran into each other at a major possible event we produced for Erickson, uh, where you did no less than, was it four panels? I think it was three, actually. Oh, One speaking yeah. session and a couple of panels, yeah. Great. So um, to kick off with a bit of an explanation of uh, Unity and why you're in such high demand at innovation conferences. Um, so Unity itself actually started off um, as a game way back in, I think it was 2004. It wasn't a very good game. Um, but the underlying technology was very good and useful um, to start building games off of. So uh, that's how the whole started. They started putting out a game engine, as we would call it. Um, and people started creating games. Lots of independent uh, developers were able to get into the video game industry. And then when the mobile devices came along, it blew up because they could be able to create mobile games and send it to a plethora of platforms, whether it was iOS, Android, even consoles such as PlayStation, Xbox, PC. So I had I could create it once and deliver it across many platforms. So it drove a lot of people to start using Unity instead of developing their own game engine, which major game companies were doing at the time. Okay. Um, and what's happened is people realize um, we provide space and time. There's a place that I can go play, and it doesn't just have to be a game. Um, it can be a full-on experience. It can I can do films and everything else along with it. Um, and so as we start heading into this world of extended reality, XR for lack of a better term, the idea is how do I interact with things that are digital in this, in the virtual world? And can I do it in a virtual, like VR fully immersed, or can it be augmented reality? And Unity made it very easy for our developers to create these types of experiences in these types of environments. And I think we own probably about 70% of the extended reality applications are developed in Unity. Um, as of today. Wow. I'm talking to the right person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it doesn't mean I understand everything. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, perhaps you could kind of answer some. So let's start with the simple things is, yeah. you know, I constantly hear from clients and partners uh, about PPO. Everybody talks about the metaverse and virtual mm-hmm. gaming worlds and things like that. There is so much talk. I, I'm trying to wean myself off LinkedIn actually, because I, can't help myself but get into the debate. But do you have a, a kind of a summary between the difference between this very overused the master worth of metaverse and virtual gaming worlds? Because 
there seems to be these big fans that are like metaverse no. isn't here yet it's just gaming but can you shed some light on that it's kind of easiest way to look if we when the internet came out right before there was netscape browser before the majority of the people had access to the internet was there but was it really there when not everybody's on it and so I think that's part of what the debate is. So for some people, yes, the metaverse is already here. They're in it. They're playing. They're interacting with it. And other people like, no, not everybody's in it. And it's not the way I see what the metaverse should be. So if, if we start, start going down that path of looking at the internet, it didn't get democratized until it was easy enough that I could type in a website and have access to the information. Before, you had to have some computer skills. And my parents were never going to get on the internet because they didn't have those computer skills. And it was scary to them. So... It's going to take time to get there. And even when the internet came, people started creating websites um, and nobody knew really what it was or how they were going to monetize it and make money, but they knew it was something. And that's kind of where we are right now in the idea of this metaverse. It is something, don't really know what it is and everybody has their own definition of what it is and what it's going to be and how we're going to generate revenue and how we're going to interact with it. It's going to grow in, over time. And there'll be companies that are existing today that will be really strong in this new economy, in this new metaverse, and there'll be companies that will fade away. And just like we had the dot-com boom, and there was companies that, oh, you had a website, it was cool, but what did it do? Um, we're going to have the exact same thing happen here with the metaverse. Maybe Decentraland is all I want. Turns out to be a great idea, or maybe it turns out we totally forget about it that it even existed. Um, yeah. So it is exploratory, and I think everybody has a different definition of it. And some of it is like, if I'm a gamer, the metaverse means something completely different to me than if I'm somebody who's in the industrial world. The metaverse would be something di completely different to me as well. Just like the internet is different for everybody, there's applications that sit on top of our experiences in some ways, you could call them that. It's going to be the same thing. So when we talk about Web 3.0, some people like to use that term. It's just the internet. It's like the ne next version of the internet. I think it goes way beyond that. I think the difference is, very simply, we're actually accessing a fifth dimension that's always been there, this virtual digital dimension. I'm taking things that I can't see there, but now I can expose in it. So I have the ability to go into this new dimension in some way, which enhances the four dimensions I live in already. So yeah. kind of just, and so um, what can I do with that? It's infinite, right? And so, and there'll be places like, you know, some people think, oh, the metaverse is going to be a place like Fortnite, where everybody goes into virtual reality and hangs out, or like the Oasis from Ready Player One. Great book, good movie. Um, but that is not, that is just a site. It's like a website. It's a location, destination, say, in this new world that you can access. Uh, and nobody's going to own it. Like, it, people are going to try to control it and own it and make as much money, just like they do, like they did with the internet back in the day, and they're still trying to do but nobody's going to be on it. It's going to be owned by the creators and the consumers. So that's really interesting then. So would you believe that there, because another terminology that gets used a lot is the different metaverse or metaverse is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people, people seem to think that there will eventually just be one metaverse. Whereas personally, like, and, and, and in theory, with your summary, I don't necessarily agree with that. What do you think? What do you think? No, I, I, it's semantics, right? We yeah. call it the web. Yeah. But is there's millions upon millions of websites and things exactly. you can do on the web in the web. I think so. Calling it the metaverse, and there's metaverses that are inside of it. I think it's maybe we call it metaverse sites. Who knows? Or metaverse yeah. locations. But yeah. I think the metaverse is is as a, a concept. All it is is it's just this big, huge, overarching concept. 
And there's going to be places and it's going to be different for everybody. So yes, there's going to be metaverses. You could use that terminology, but I think it's a little bit semantics in some ways. No, fair enough. Yeah, no. So interesting enough, you know, you're, you're a software company, but you're basically the architects, of, you know, of the gaming world. Um, I believe we're going to see kind of gaming explorer, exploring different business models and experiences, um, you know, and really driving the development of this metaverse or metaverses. And do you agree? And do you have some examples of kind of what Unity are doing in that world? Yeah, you're starting to see it. Like gaming companies are, and even film companies, they're actually this entertainment world is starting to come together. <clears throat> so I can create a game, a video game, and go play it as interactive. I can connect with people. Um, but you're starting to like the good example is concerts, right? I have a live festival or concert, and now I can actually interact in that concert in a virtual way as well. Um, I don't control what's happening at the concert, but I can control what I see and what I'm doing in the concert. So I'm still consuming it. And I'm consuming it with other people. So you're going to start to see this basically entertainment and very simply it's experiences. This is really where these engines are. We move from calling it a game engine to a real-time 3D engine. Basically, it mimics real-time 3D life. Um, but now I, I can do it virtually and I'm going to create different types of experiences. And the ultimate goal is for everybody to create their own experience, right? So this is where I guess we'll call it the killer app or the killer application that's going to come along is when it's easy enough for everybody to create their own experiences. Uh, and it, it could be a story. It, it could be an augmented experience. It could be an audio experience. It can be contextual. So it matters where I am and the moment of the day and everything else. Once we allow, we democratize creation, this is, starts to become very interesting. And we're getting pretty close. Like more people can develop games now than 30 years ago, uh, like a lot more. But we're going to get to the point where everybody can create an experience. Like everybody can create a website now. When it first started out, it's an OHTML. And now I can go to site and I drag and drop and I'm pulling templates here and there and I'm connecting and I'm creating my experience. This is what's going to happen as well as, as we move forward. So it'll be more of an experience type of engine. So you're happen. gonna you just you you absolutely opened up a little rabbit hole for me because this yeah. is in fact how we ended up starting, starting yeah. today, isn't it? Is yeah. I you know I started my life at the entertainment business, uh, got mm. into kind of the music industry on the live side, and and kind of my passion for kind of live music music festivals is what got me into the world. Yeah. You know, I started as a marketer, I ended up choosing events as my kind of speciality because. For exactly that point, I believe it's far more powerful to create a human experience and really yes. connect with people. And that's what was so beautiful about the kind of well gigs, but more importantly, festivals. You know, right. I, I got you know I started my life at the age of seventeen, going to Glastonbury, and I have a horrible confession to make: I didn't go for the bands. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. well. I I went there just to, you know, just to have an amazing time with friends and meet new people. Yeah. So, you know, and and I became, I had the minute I set up an event company, I had an immediate identity crisis because I started doing this twenty years ago, and I just saw all this amazing opportunity for content. I saw the opportunity to live stream and to create these memories, but none of the businesses I worked with kind of sought past that, which I found super frustrating, super frustrating. 
I think a lot of it's because they're looking how they monetize it, right? What's the best, well, that's, that's the quickest way to my dollar, right? Look, yeah. So, you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there is, you know, going through, I've got to be careful here because I've worked with a lot of them, not friends, but the agents, the promoters, the record labels, and, and the brands themselves sometimes yes. couldn't see past the opportunities. They, you know, they just, they, they wanted to create these fantastic experiences. So the... This idea, and well, actually, my reference point is the pandemic. You know, when the pandemic hit, the world of events just imploded. Oh, yeah. and, and this is how we've ended up with these these uh, this podcast was because we decided to be a voice of reason. We just basically said, "Look, events are dead. Long live events." You know, you can't live stream stuff. But it was really interesting to see the lack of like a lot of the music industry some of them did do live streams and you know we saw chris martin from his house making up yeah. tunes you know the, the two standout live stream gigs for me were <coughs> the dua leaper and gorillas but there was no real connection they were just i mean <coughs> they were just live streams yeah and it, they, it was almost to me. It was like a sugar substitute. It wasn't quite the real thing. <laughs> no, exactly. So, but it was. It was, a, it was there. It was something I could have close enough, I guess. Yeah, but have you actually managed to like get some breakthrough with Unity and start really seeing a change in those those live performances? So you're you're starting to see changes. Like so, Charles uh, Gambino. We worked with him on his event itself. So while I was there, I could actually digitally participate in the event. I can hold up my phone and I can get augmented experiences and turn them into stardust um, as he's dancing. And I still have the laser show and everything else going on behind me, but I can have an, an extended experience through a digital device. Um, and we started seeing uh, things like concerts in Fortnite where all these people could get together, they could hear the live music, and it kind of simulated it a little bit, but it's not the same as being a person. And you look at things like EDC where the experience that you have there is amazing, but I got 250,000 people there and I've got probably 20 million people who want to be there. And so how do I democratize? So people don't just watch it on a screen because you can do that today, but how can I move around, take different position points of view, be there with my friends, you know, maybe their avatars or whatever, having conversations and experiencing it together. Um, those things we're seeing coming. And then as we start to, you'll see technology coming um, like volumetric capture. I think Uni's just made a few announcements around that as well. But the ability now I can catch the, the players, the people who are entertaining us in stage. And now I can stream them into my house into a 3D way, almost vol it'd be volumetrically. Um, so it looks like they're there. So not, not it's like a hologram, but it looks real in essence. And now I can actually take my favorite brand and they perform for me personally in my basement. Or I could be on the stage with them at the concert, seeing what they're seeing. It all is in real time. It's all actually in 3D. So I can actually have that outside the haptic feel of it, per se. Um, I can have that same similar experience and even have the VIP experience in a way. And everybody has access to that. But I think, yeah, but I think the thing to really drill down mm -hmm. here is that the, you've said two key words for me over since we've been talking, which is. Mm -hmm. The ability to play, especially yeah. in the entertainment business, mm -hmm. the ability to connect. You know, there was, there was an interesting business a few years ago that launched called Melody VR, which um, allowed you to basically kind of transport yourself anywhere into concert. But yeah. my personal challenge with that was, great, like, 
I landed on the stage, but then what? And so that's what the gaming industry's taught us, isn't it? Is yes. like it's you know, my son has such a great experience in Fortnite because he joins his friends. Right. It's that's his main point. You know, yeah. I, I did a the where they can uh, uh-huh. I I had to open a talk and I used my kids as a reference because you know they're still young uh, and I'm still kind of managing them at their screen time, especially in gaming. But I I asked my son to leave Fortnite and come and watch a family movie, <laughs> and he goes he goes, but Daddy, it's uh, he's young. <laughs> he goes, uh, it's it's boring. And I went, what? And he goes, well, I'm just sitting here watching a screen, you know, in Fortnite. I'm with my friends, and in Minecraft, I'm building stuff. And- it's the interactivity. That's what it is, right? And that's why we went to concerts because it was interactive. Exactly. Uh, because exactly. I'm I'm having impacts. People are at the person who's sitting next to me. If they start having fun and dancing, next thing yeah. I know, I'm yeah. having fun and it and it grows. I think the challenge that we have with where technology is today. We're going into, say, Fortnite and having these concert experiences is great. And I'm meeting people inside of there, um, but I think we as humans are want the physical presence of another yeah. human, right? Yeah. And so I think as we start to go to extended reality and augmented reality, we're still going to want to go to these physical locations to fully experience it. Uh, if I can't find, I can be fully immersed as a substitute, but I'm still going to have that drive. And I think I look at my kids as they went through, they're a little bit old. They went through the Facebook, you know, 29 and 26 now. And, you know, that's where they started making friends. And they had 3,000 friends on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, they kind of got into the college age and they started connecting with their real friends, like people and having experiences with them in the physical world. And Facebook, they realized it was better to have five really good friends that I was new and interacted with than to have 2,000 people who were just giving their impression of themselves to me. Oh, you know, I mean, in the virtual world, I don't have to be myself. I can be the person I dream of being. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that sounds great, but it's very superficial. Totally. We as humans can't connect to superficial no. people. And, and uh, that, that's a lovely little segue into possibly what, what the future is going to be like, isn't yeah. it? Is yeah. I'm constantly um, like reducing. I love Instagram. I'm a big art fan. And I also like connecting with friends and family yep. via it. But I, you know, I'm constantly deleting. You know, I don't want yep. loads of followers. I don't want loads of shit. But, you know, people I don't know sharing my personal experiences. Um, and and so that's the thing. Uh, I, and, and look, I think that is a bit I just want to draw out for the sake of this podcast is mm-hmm. we are now, and it segues into this kind of real-time economy that I want to talk yep. to you about is – what we've all learned here, and you know, this technology's been well. Parts of this technology has been around for ages. You know, I, right. I did I did a music festival in Second Fest in two thousand and seven. Um, but the most great moment for me was when I was in a room with my clients and the developers, and we were watching this virtual festival. And my booker, who'd booked all the talent, phoned me up and he said, "Oh, are you watching it?" I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Are you looking at the main stage?" It's like, "Yeah." And he said, oh, look, stage left. And there was an avatar waving at me. <laughs> yeah. And bearing in mind that was in 2007, that totally blew my mind. Mm-hmm. It was like I'm talking to my friend on the phone, but I'm watching him in a virtual festival. It's, 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 it's madness. But it was 
it was that connection that made all the difference. Right. And, and, it, and all that kind of interact and play. So it's cool. So the reality is people take a look at technology and they think it's an experience, right? Just because they put an avatar on the stage, that's not an experience. It's, it's this very little, simple, okay, it was cool, but it, it's not an experience, right? No. And I, a good example is I was working automotive. And they said, we put experiences in our car. They're like, what do you mean? Like, oh, I push the button and the car self-parks, right? I don't have to do anything. It parks itself. I'm like, that's not an experience. That's a feature based off of some technology. An experience is a good Monday morning commute. And so you start thinking about an experience is longer lasting. It's a more emotional connection uh, that we have. And life is only about two things, experiences and relationships. If we have amazing experiences and amazing relationships, we have an amazing life. And so we start to focus on experience. And this is what kind of the idea is, the democratization of creating experiences. This is to me what the metaverse really is, or this new economy is the democratization of creation. The information economy was democratized of democratization of information. I used to have to go to the library, pull out an encyclopedia, and I was lucky enough I could go to the library and find an encyclopedia, find out how many people live in Barcelona. Today, I just say, Alexa, how many people live in Barcelona? And I get an instant answer. So I, I, we democratized information that was extremely difficult to get access to and took a lot of time and effort. Um, right now, we're in an on-demand economy. We democratize access to everything, whether it's streaming content, even physical products are at my house within 24 hours, sometimes even faster. Next one, which is, you know, powered by the metaverse or whatever we're going to call it, is the democratization of creation, but not just creation and publishing. And this allows me to create my own experiences and tell my own story and allow people to experience it as well. So instead of them having to be the greatest storyteller in the world for it to have an emotional impact on me, I can actually see it through their point of view. And this for me, hopefully, is the democratization of empathy, where I can actually experience what you have, so I'm more empathetic. And this is what great storytellers have been doing forever, whether it's through movies, books, audio, verbal storytelling, is creating a connection with people and an understanding. And, I'm, and if I listen, they can I share my point of view, and we both grow and learn as we have these type of conversations and we grow close to each other. This, for me, is also hopefully the ultimate goal is that now if everybody can share their story, um, and it doesn't matter, I have to be on this platform and pay $8 to be on it or whatever. I don't have to do that anymore. It's just ubiquitous. Um, this starts to create this type of empathy for each other because now I'm listening to you. I'm experiencing it. I'm not just listening. I'm an active participant. And this is why your son didn't want to go sit and watch a movie because it's not interactive. He's not involved. So he's, it's harder for him to become engaged within it. This is why experiences are different than just say... A video game could be an experience, a movie could be an experience, but if I make it really interactive and with other people, um, there's something that I set a memory point in my brain, right? I mean, that's all life is, is those memory points. And why do I have them? Because it was something new. It was something different. And I was actively involved in it. That's it, isn't it? Uh, I, I saw a great, well, a great taster of what that could look like um, uh, at the Infinity Festival a couple of weeks ago where... Uh, Disney Plus launched um, their film Remembering, and uh, it's only like a fifteen-minute film, but they've introduced a uh, augmented reality. And so the minute uh, it started in real time, but then the minute the actors went into this imaginary world, mm -hmm. you hold up your iPad, and that world would suddenly expand around your front room. It was yeah. brilliant. 
Yeah. Because you're now you're now in there. You're feeling what they're feeling. You have the exact same perspective that they have. Yeah. Um, and, it, and so it helps you understand and connect it in a different way. I know. It's, I, I, it's kind I, of crazy, really. Oh, it, it, it's mind-boggling. I think that's the challenge, isn't it? I think it's a bit – it works. Actually, it's a bit like organizing an event. If you think about the whole thing from start to finish, it becomes quite overwhelming and stressful. But if you take it stage by stage and just you know, develop as you go on, it's quite manageable. And I think that's what everybody realizes. You know, We are heading into a brand-new world. It's still very young, still evolving, but it's really, really exciting. And that's actually why I, I, I knew I'd do this, but I want to just go back to the the, the light music experience because yeah. I've always been a firm believer that, to your point, you know, there is a, you know, there's a gig happening in Paris or like Dark performing in Paris. You know, yeah. I'm not going to be able to see that, but I would love to be able to attend. Yeah. And so I believe there's a future where we will be given a choice. And it will be a choice of you can go to the physical event, you can actually watch the live stream if you want and mm-hmm. interact with it and the fans that are there as well. Or you can also go into the metaverse because mm-hmm. there's this, yeah. you know, this, this you know, for me, that's where this kind of digital twinning kind of comes yes. in. Yeah. Because you know, if you're designing that physical experience, you will design it in the metaverse anyway, just like yeah. you used to use CAD design and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. By the time the live show comes along, you're going to have a, a, a virtual world. Yeah. Yep. So you might as well use it. And, mm-hmm. and but you know, you go from 20,000 people attending to 20 million people attending through different channels and platforms. Yeah. Is, is that where you see it going? Yeah. And that's why I say it's democratization of creation. Not only can I create, but also publishing. Right? Yes. How do I deliver it? How do I publish it? And people can consume it in any way they want to, or any way that's affordable, available to them at that time. So they're not limited in the way that they can consume these experiences as well. And you're going to start to see, like, um, content is going to become very important, right? So once content, I have access. We're creating more and more content every day. That content is going to be, I won't say free, but it's going to be used as prompts. So imagine if, say, somebody like Disney took all that 3D content and all the film and everything else, and they made it available to <clears throat> creators to go create their own stories with it. And maybe you license it or whatever, or maybe you, you sell it on the Disney Plus platform, right? So I can create my own Star Wars story. Yeah, I know it's your content, but I'm using it, and now you're basically benefiting off of a lot of people using your content. You're democratizing it, so you have access to more experiences that you can publish and share with people. I That's think you're going, to, you're going to start to see that content. <clears throat> and same with things with musicians. What They're going to start to share their content so people can use it. You can see it on TikTok, right? You can take a little snippet of my song, and if that video that did that song starts going viral and everybody starts using that same song, I'm now trending on Spotify as well. And so and that's the that's, 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 isn't it? That's what yeah. we all want. Yeah, we all want. All brands, you know, all all artists, all they want is fans to engage, do more right. with it. Right. So we've been given this a lot more freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and brands need to see that as a good thing. I, I remember, yes. again, I, I did a, uh, we, we did, a, a, I won't mention the brand, but we did something um, a while ago, quite a year, about 10 years ago, actually. And it was all around a live stream. We created a song and things like that. 
and and the artists that created this song actually started then doing their own spin-offs and sharing it on social media and the brand got set upset they were like oh they're playing with our stuff i was like no that's good, that's really good. Yeah. Um, the, you just said something about being free though but this is something the event industry learned a long time ago was when you know all I you know, whenever I used to do corporate events, yeah. if you when I first started doing branded gigs, you know, brands used to like to make them free mm. for their customers. Yeah. The trouble is, the minute you make something free, um, there's a you know, it, it, it almost becomes uh, it cheapens it. And so for me, I think a bit like you know, you do with a concert ticket is that there'll probably be a value put to these virtual events and but yeah but go like, I, I don't think the i don't think the experiences are going to be free i mean no. they could be but or are they could have advertising there's going to be monetization but, but the, think access, the content the content, the content yes. that i have access to use to build these experiences and because i'm using your content you're getting publicity you're being seen maybe i have to put it in the credits or whatever it is or it's getting reused over and over again and you have some way to monetize the experience after the content as well. I think that's where it's going to become interesting because you it's going to make a lot of money by, hey, here, take this content, build something with it, and then I'm going to take a small piece of whatever you make off of what you built. In essence, right. so I'm, I wouldn't say I'm licensing the whole content. I'm kind of licensing a piece of the experience that you made from that content. So, well, uh, I'm going to get told to start wrapping it up soon. Okay. I know we could go on for ages. Oh, but yeah. But the, for me, a couple more things I just want to kind of get out of this conversation is, it's been said to me that kind of one of the biggest state of barriers to mass adoption is obviously language. You know, mm -hmm. we touched on it about oh, this yeah. whole metaverse and metaverses. You mm -hmm. know, the one that the more we talk about blockchain, NFTs are a perfect mm -hmm. example, the harder it is to break into the mainstream. So mm -hmm. for us, really, the technology is a means to an end, isn't it? Yes. Um, you know, how do we, how do you think we're going to change that? Because Everybody just loves right now talking about all these buzzwords, isn't it? And we yeah. kind of need to push it all to one side and focus, like you've said, on the experience of what it delivers for audiences, don't we? Yeah. And, and I mean, this part of the we have challenges with we democratize the financial markets. And so now but there's so many experts on how I should be investing my money. And they'll throw all these terms like blockchain and everything else as people, hey, I've got some knowledge. This I think this is going to turn into something. Um, and so there's challenges that come along with this, but I think from a language, it's not just a language barrier, it's also a cultural barrier, right? And it's, and it's not just it's all demographics, like I'm old, I'm young, I have a different experience of what I've grown up with, what, what means value to me. And by the way, I have a different personality too. So I think what we're going to focus on is we're going to connect people through personality. Um, and I don't have to understand every word you're saying if I can feel your emotions. Right. So if somebody tells the story, the, the emotion that's coming through with it, that capability, I can look at a piece of art and there's no words, there's no text, there's nothing. There's nobody talking to me, but I can connect to that art and have an emotional experience. And in some way I connect to the artist. And maybe I didn't see it the exact same way he did, but maybe I help him see it in different ways art as well. And the art is continually living and growing. And of course, we're going to be able to translate. As soon as I talk, you're going to have text that's telling you what language you know, translate it to your language, you can read it or even hear it in your ear. All the Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, <clears throat> to me, everybody speaks English and to whatever language, everybody who speaks Spanish, everybody in the world is not speaking Spanish to <clears throat> So we could, <clears throat> we can do that from a technology standpoint, but still where is that 
cultural connection. And just me being able to experience from your point of view changes everything. Uh, we can try I, to do it today. I, I, I think that's fantastic. It's about making that real cultural connection, isn't it? And that's what yeah. we're all striving to do. And that's what, no matter what technology we're looking at, that's what it's going to enable us to do far better than in previous years. So, look, I, I know you're working on tons of stuff. Uh, Newlands is an incredible business. I'm very privileged to add you on board. Thanks. If, you know, I know we don't have crystal balls, but 2023 is going to be an interesting year, isn't it? Not um, very interesting. What's your, uh, have you got any predictions you'd be able to you know, share with us? Have you got anything that, that's going to come on the horizon from Unity that's, that's going to really excite us? I, I think you're going to see some new technology. I think the volumetric capture technology is, is going to capture us in a, in a new way in how we interact with sports and media and entertainment. Um, I think that's gonna, you're going to start to see that coming. Um, I don't, we've been through umpteen hype curves with VR, right? It's going to be in the teens. I mean, we were doing it 30 plus years ago. Exactly. Um, because we were so focused on the technology. I think the technology is starting to get to a point where we can start focusing on the experience that we're delivering. It's not the tech yeah. that's cool, it's the experience. Um, and I think you're going to start to see more storytelling. TikTok's a good example of it, where I can create a story in 30 seconds that used to take a month for a production team to do 10 years ago. Um, you, but it's on a single platform. I'm hoping that we start to see things like web AR become bigger because I don't have to have an application to run it. So it's just running through a browser on a site. So making ease of access for individuals. I don't know what's going to happen with all the headsets. I've, there's so many headsets and we're still trying to figure out the hardware form, um, which one's going to win or if they're all going to win or we're just going to have contacts someday instead of glasses. Who knows what it's all heading to? Um, I think you'll hear the announcement from Apple. It's already been leaked, um, but I don't know. I haven't tried it. I don't know what that experience is like. Is it, is it is the technology good enough that I can go have this immersive experience that I can have an emotional connection to? Or I mean, just is it just cool because it's tech? Oh, look at that thing is floating in front of me. I've never seen that before. That was a new experience, but it's a one-time thing. It's not something I have to go back to over and over and over again. Uh, do, do, do you know, sorry, you've just created a little rabbit hole for us to finish off. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, my my that that's another little bugbear I've got is the use yeah. of glasses. Is yeah. you know, I've worn glasses all my life. I mm -hmm. but I've tried all my life to get rid of my wore contact lenses. I yeah. had laser surgery. Uh, I just bought the the MetaMask two, and you know my son used it for ten minutes, and then kind of he uses it a little bit, but not as much. I thought I'd be peeling it off his head. And we've started the one thing I love is the uh, the um, uh, the Star Wars experience. That's really yeah. cool. But the one thing we keep on saying is it, we need to be able to play together. Right. And, 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 I, and I think that's the thing is it's, you know, will it be glasses? Will it be on the screens? Will it, you know? It could be context. It could be a chip, right? I'm just changing what yeah. I see. It could it's be just, everything. It, it's, it's a little scary in some ways, but I, as long as I have control of what's coming through into my brain um, and I'm not being force-fed and some people aren't doing subliminal messaging through it, the, then we're fine. We haven't even hit the ethical stuff. We're still trying to figure out the technology before we worry about the ethics of all this. I, I, I think that will be why I, I'm going to have to get you back. Let's, let's do that okay. maybe okay. sometime next year. Um, yeah, sounds great. 
That's, that's another big thing. Mike, uh, I knew this would be fun. Uh, yeah. I literally don't want to stop talking. Um, but no, I appreciate uh, it. It's a lot. It's a great learning experience for me too, right? It, it's such an exciting subject matter, yeah. and and the summary is it, it's all about making a human connection and creating human experience. If we can all go with that clarity, uh, we know we're in a good, good, good kind right. of world, and not the matrix, probably. Um, yes. Thanks, Mike. I will catch up with you soon. So I hope you all enjoy that uh, episode as much as I did. Watch out for our next Fresh Takes virtual podcast with more experts and insights into the future of marketing. If you've enjoyed this episode and others, then please support us by sharing it and telling all your friends and business partners. And I'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.